The warmest of greetings to you and welcome to Happily Ever Teaching, where we help you enthrall your learners in every subject under the sun using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen for your children to become amazing and successful human beings. I am storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me this week is... Hello, I'm Abby Marison. I am one of the education programme managers for Festival Bridge, and I have 10 years under my belt as teaching uh, in a primary school. Hi, I'm Rob. I'm currently teaching Year 4 class in Milton Keynes, but I've worked in every key stage and key stage 2 downwards. And today we are exploring science learning outcomes with this week's folktale from Taiwan. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for No Tigers on the Table. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children, and if you sign up as an epic educator, you'll also get a copy as an ebook or paperback illustrated by the marvellous Mario Coelho, as well as a full audiobook for you to download at any time, and even some tips for telling the story yourself. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with Abby and Rob here. We are looking at some science now to finish off our week. And uh, Rob, shall we start with the upper ages, the 7 to 11-year-olds? Where's the science in this story? Yeah, I kind of, I struggled a bit with science, but I came up with doing an investigation linked to uh, forces. Okay. Mainly uh, gravity and friction, because I was imagining if there is lots of if the flood water is coming, then mm. the table's going to move. Ooh. Say so how much friction would be caused, how much friction would you need to stop it from moving? Mm. Um, how, what, what would the, the weight or the mass on the table be if all the village is on it? So doing lots of investigative work about that and then changing it by saying, well, what happens if it had legs made of different materials? Mm. or if it had i know the room i'm sat in currently has got wooden floorboards and all the furniture has got things stuck on the bottom to stop them slipping yeah i can't think what they're called but <laughs> rubber stops or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if what kind of things would you need on the bottom of your table legs in taiwan that's knee deep in water to stop it from Mm. from flooding and which would be the most effective uh would it be better with tinfoil cotton wool would sandpaper be better all kinds of different bits you could do with that does the amount of water yeah. change how much friction you need and things like that so it was kind of it's probably one or two science lessons it wouldn't be an awful lot but that would be what i would go with no, but um, pretty essential learning, and I, I imagine it could lead quite nicely into a DT project. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Not the DT project I've thought of, but <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I similarly initially struggled with science links for this, but actually um, thinking about the fact that in the story you've got lots and lots of rain, and then you can use it as a one of those questions that you. You start off with with a science topic, how much rain will it take to flood a house? Hmm. So links quite nicely with what you would be doing with young people is is getting them to maybe create a thinking about weather vanes and, you know, calculating which way the wind is going and collecting the rain so you can measure. You, you know, it's, it's obviously got a, a maths link, but being able to just get a, a cut water um, 
milk bottle, lemonade bottle, whatever, and taking it outside. And that's the science where the young people have got to see, well, how much rain have we had? Ah. And there's a really nice connection to climate change here because what you can do is talk about the fact that, you know, we're looking at how the rain in this story, because it was extreme, was a real problem. Mm. Um, and we can talk about extremes of weather that we're noticing. And, and obviously it depends on the, the age of the children that you're talking to. But I know from conversations with my auntie who lives in Kenya, at the moment, they've just had quite a lot of rain, which is unusual for them. And they're really grateful for it. But the impact of that has been that when she went to turn on the tap, the, the mud that comes through the water systems actually makes the running water from the tap completely brown. Oh, yeah. um, so, so there's some really nice real life connections you can do mm. with the science here around, yes, there have been floods in, in history and there probably will be floods in the future. But what does that mean for, you know, different places who have extremes of heat, extremes of rain, extremes of... So, you, you, yes, it's science, definitely. But there's an awful lot of thinking around the implications and, and the world and the, the different weather that we all experience. So there, there's a lot yeah. to, you can unpick in that. Well, because you've mentioned things like um, climate change and the weather vane, it's it's probably also a good point to mention that um, in the Fables and Fairy Tales podcast, our sister podcast, which is at the moment as we're as we're speaking, probably in one universe or another, uh, the the story of No Tigers on the Table is being told in that podcast. Um, but when it finishes, mm -hmm. so um, I think Thursday next week, the story is actually going to be um, a Portuguese tale about a little half chick who ends up being turned into a weather vane. Um, and he's turned into a weather vane because of his lack of care for the environment. So pretty much everything that you have just spoken about there, Abby, could link to that story as well. You could listen to the the ballad. It's it's a, the entire story in one episode because it's a ballad. Well, we, we've turned it into a ballad anyway. So you get to explore um, looking after your environment. You get to explore where weather vanes come from and, and what mm. a weather vane is. Um, so it could, could actually mean that you get to follow this story mm. quite smoothly. Just, and it uh, sounds like a lovely story, but, you know, exploring the <laughs> fact that that's the punishment you get for not looking at yeah, what could happen yeah. to you. I think that, that sounds... It's a great story, beautifully illustrated by Mario Coelho as well, um, mm. one of Corky Paul's friends. It's just brilliant listening to you, Abby, and thinking you, you had no idea about this. I didn't. Yet... <laughs> I genuinely... That wasn't, that wasn't, wasn't fed wasn't in. It wasn't pre-planned. <laughs> and yet, yeah, so, so often you can take a couple of stories and find the links in them to really draw out a theme like that. Mm, yeah, lovely. Um, I've thought of one for Q Stage 1. Um, okay, go for it. What do tigers eat? Oh. oh yeah. Look at the food chain. Mm -hmm. What is... Uh, what do and things like that do they eat people do they eat dumplings do what do they eat uh oh. and then uh explore the the relationship the tiger has with the other animals it eats not like would you yeah. like to come around for dinner kind of relationship mm. but, <laughs> i think the or, assumption or maybe... is that they they eat a lot because of, of the tiger that came to tea you know they they, they really do make the the thing that He's not um, satisfied with a whole house full of things. So, yeah, the implication is that tigers eat a lot. But, yeah, that's a, that's a yeah. good one. I think in reality, they're, they're a lot like cats and quite a few other predators, actually, including human beings from Neolithic times. You know, we'd, we'd go out, we'd hunt one big animal and then we'd just laze around for a few days afterwards. <laughs> I think that's how cats tend to uh, and, and tigers tend to work as well. They have their meal and spend the rest of the day sleeping. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I remember the uh, the zookeeper saying when when we watched a, a feeding that they have to have a starve day to to recreate that whole thing of going out mm. gorging on an animal and and you know at the zoo they they could just feed them every day but they have to give them a day where they don't feed them so that yeah. they they replicate what they would be getting if they were hunting. It's the same with anyone who's got house cats, actually. A lot of people think of cats being like really independent and um, needing to have their, their own space. But cats will only really be that way and, and will go out through your cat flap and disappear if you don't give them enough hunting stimulation back at home. Mm-hmm. So um, with our cat, we, we play with him quite regularly with things on strings and and balls across the floor and that sort of thing. And he very rarely goes out. He does have a cat flap. He'll he'll go out every so often for, you know, doing his business and so on. But he he just loves it at home. And I think that's because it's, yeah, it's not mean to be starving the tigers in that way. It's, It's allowing you to recreate their natural environment, which is what they're built for. And it's coming back to Rob's question, can tigers swim? No, you might say, what do they eat? But can they swim? Is he really going to be afraid if the flood comes? Do you know what? I think I, I did read somewhere that tigers are one of the few cats who can swim. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So he would have been absolutely fine, really. Wouldn't he? <laughs> I think that Mr. Chen didn't make a big enough blue boat at the start of the story. <laughs> that would have helped. Yeah. He should have been more like Noah. Big boat. That's all we have time for today, folks, and indeed this week. If you try out any of these ideas, or if you'd like us to help you teach a topic you are soon to cover with your young learners, let us know on social media using at Teach Happily, or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app. Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can learn in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. We'll be back next week so the village of Sinkang can help us teach religion and philosophy, design and technology, art and geography, and also help us help our young learners mark the celebration of the Chinese New Year of the Tiger. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio, and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio! And we hope to hear your story soon! soon.